Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Two Scrums Up, a podcast by Allie, where we discuss Agile and all things Scrum. My name is Ken Medley, and I'm an Agile process leader here at Allie. And I'm joined by our director of Agile processes, Mr. John Ragazine. Hi, that's right. My name is John Ragazine, director of Agile Process here at Alley.co. Alley is a fully distributed web agency, and we've been running Scrum for several years, remotely, fully distributed, and we have things we've learned, both the easy way and the hard way. We want to share them with you, and that's why we have this show. When I first joined Ali years ago, um, you know, I had gone through Scrum certification. Some other folks had gone through Scrum certification with, with myriad agencies and organizations and like whoever was offering it. Um, and so we started laying out a, a foundation of Scrum tactics and Scrum frameworks across the company. But there was a lot that was uh, suboptimal or not ideal. And we knew as an agency that we had to really kind of like start from scratch, kind of like reset the, the, the numbers back to zero and, and move forward, uh, with everyone running scrum and everyone running scrum from the same vantage point. And so, uh, we, what we did at the time, we sent everyone to, uh, either CSM training or CSPO training, uh, with an organization called scrum Inc. Uh, that, that comes, uh, from, Jeff Sutherland, uh, who is the you know inventor of Scrum or the originator of Scrum, it's his company, um, and so we went that direction. And the the training uh, compared to some other organizations that we used was 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 great. I mean, um, there's plenty of places that do you know good Scrum training, um, but there's some places that do less than good Scrum training. And Scrum Inc. we think does great Scrum training, so uh, we kind of like stuck our claim you know, to like, we're going to make sure everyone gets trained doing that, no matter what your background was. Um, and it went forward to making sure that every new person who joined Alley went through training as well. Um, Ken, you came on after this transformation first started, and you went through Scrum training pretty pretty close to after your hire date, right? Yeah, that's right. I was, uh, like you had mentioned, I had gone through Scrum training previously before I joined Alley as a product owner, as well as a Scrum master prior to this. But uh, when I joined, uh, part of the appeal of joining Alley was because the entire company was using Scrum, uh, specifically the Scrum at scale model, which I really appreciate. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later, but I, I loved being able to just kind of reset and go, go to Scrum Inc., take their Scrum Master certification course, and I learned so much uh, while I was there. And this is coming from someone who has been doing Scrum uh, and agile, you know, different forms of agile processes for the last and almost decade. So uh, I, I really appreciate Scrum Inc. I think they add a lot of value. Um, and I was, I was glad to be able to attend that. P part of, like I said, here at Alley, using Scrum at scale, I think is, um, has been super helpful to me to, co to come in uh, to an organization and look at how Scrum, when it's done right, uh, there's a lot of scrum butts out there as we say, you know, oh, we're using scrum, but, and then they give some, you know, reason why it doesn't work for them or how they're twisting it around. Um, but to hitch our wagons to a, an agile process like scrum and then move forward with it, um, I think is, has really benefited us in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, both of us had scrum training prior to this and and to see, you know, uh, the organization go kind of whole hog into it is really interesting um, because, you know, uh, having run scrum previously, you know, I kind of like self taught myself as much as I could. And then I went through training and then I was like, I'm going to apply this to within an organization that was not running scrum from top to bottom with team members that may or may not be familiar with some of the scrum you know, uh, rituals or, or frameworks or even like what it is. Uh, I feel like, and I was definitely guilty of this many years ago being, um, not a scrum skeptic, but being kind of like stressed out about certain things when thinking about the scrum framework. And I think a lot of that came from a lack of information and a lack of context. Um, and so making sure that the entire, you know, agency here has that context at some level, uh, has been really beneficial and has definitely paid, you know, paid itself forward. When I think about Scrum, though, uh, when I stopped and kind of just pressed pause and said, why are we doing this as an organization? Why are we all in? It really came down to one word for me, and that was clarity. When I, when I break down every ritual in Scrum, all the artifacts and the outcomes, it comes down to just clarity. Uh, why, do we do, why do we do sprint planning? Well, it's to have clarity to make sure that the entire team knows what's coming into the sprint and what's being asked of us and rallying around sprint goals that's so that we have clarity there. Why do we do a daily stand-up? It's to make sure that we have clarity around how everything is going. Do we need to adjust? Do, you know, do we have clarity of what's happening? Why do we do backlog refinement? We do backlog refinement so that we have clarity around the work that's coming up. Are the tickets well refined? Do we need more information? Would they be ready to be brought into a sprint? Why do we do a retrospective? We do a retrospective to make sure that we are, you know, that we have clarity around how is the team doing? Are there any optimal things that we could, you know, do to help us run more, better, faster, smoother, uh, increase velocity? Um, so, you know, everything in my, in my mind came back to, the, to that simple word of clarity. And when everyone has clarity, you know, of course, you're, you're going to run faster. Uh, employee satisfaction is going to go up and hopefully, you know, clients will be more, uh, more happy with the outcome as well because they want clarity on how is my project doing. Yeah. And, you know, and I've always kind of related it to um, instead of clarity, uh, just like data collection points, which is kind of boring, boring and a little, a little like impersonal. But if you think about it, you know, you daily stand up, you're collecting data on like, how are things going? Are people blocked and making decisions based upon those data? But the, 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 the use of clarity really kind of opens it up a lot more because you're all kind of like speaking the same language, you know, um, which, which can right. be, you know, tricky sometimes uh, when you get into things just sort of like, what do you mean by this term that like we all know and we all are familiar with? It could mean different things to different people. You know, even um, what you see, what I see at least through agile coaching um, and some other stuff is, is the approach to a daily standup. Um, daily stand up is a meeting. And so people approach it like a meeting and the meeting has like, we're going to fill in these three blanks. What did I do? What will I do? Like, how are things going? Am I blocked or whatever? And, and if you say like, we're going to have a meeting every day with your team, people are going to like riot about it. But when the meeting is, is structured in a certain way, you know, that word can change its meaning a little bit and, and operate a little bit better because they know what that is. We're not having a meeting. We're having stand up. Um, in fact, we've gone so far in my team as to, to, 
shorten it to standy. So if I say standy, they know that I'm talking about stand up, not the, the daily stand up meeting that we have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like Refiney it. hasn't caught on as much, but standy is definitely like rolling with it. Um, which is cool. But, uh, what I really liked was sort of like how you you likened this this idea of clarity and being all on the same page to music, right? Right. Yeah. So I have a musical background. I grew up, you know, playing drums, guitar, and you know, the middle school band all the way through high school, and then you know, um, of course, you know, still jam with my buddies in the garage from time to time. But also, it, your last name is Medley. So yeah. Kind of stuck. Yeah, that's true. I guess I kind of have to be musical, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you think about it, if you ever watched an orchestra perform, you know, there's a conductor, there's, you know, multiple different instruments playing, there's, you know, violins and cellos, and there's a horn section and percussion, and it's really interesting if you sit back and, and you watch, because every one of them is looking at a different piece of music. It's the same song, but they're looking at the music that was written for their particular instrument. And Scrum, in my mind, a lot of it is, is the same. The Scrum Master does something totally different than what the developers do. Like the PO does something totally different than the Scrum Master does. However, if we're all going to be on the same sheet of music, if we're all going to play the same song, we've got to be on the same on the same piece of music, right? We have to be understand how each each instrument or each role fits into the scrum team. Um, so that was the analogy I, w I was making there. You know, if you could imagine watching an orchestra play where a violinist has no idea how to read music or no idea what the conductor is, you know, <laughs> telling them, or why is this person just waving their hands? What am I supposed to do? Obviously there's chaos and, you know, but when everybody works together, everybody understands and is on the same sheet of music, reading the same piece that song is going to be beautiful right it's going to be a, an amazing thing um and i think it's the same with scrum teams if we if we're all in the same piece of music if we all understand the role that we play then of course our teams are going to be going to be moving at, at an awesome pace velocity will increase satisfaction will increase so to take it back to why we do scrum at alley um it's one for clarity, but also, you know, every, everybody goes through some scrum ink training. So scrum masters are getting their scrum master certifications, uh, regardless if you had it or not prior to coming to the organization, like you said, uh, POs go through certification and even our developers will go through scrum team member training. Some of it might seem at face value, a little reductive, like, oh, okay, like there's different roles and people are doing certain things and like, I'm aware of it. So that's cool. You know, but, um, you know, you don't want the, the string section suddenly picking up the, the brass, you know, music <laughs> and being like, I'm going to play this trombone part, you know, but that being said, I think about this a lot and, you know, it's akin to, you know, if you ever kind of like dig into, uh, a football player, for example. Right. And like, the positions they played in high school and in college, and if they go to the NFL, the positions they play there, you see, uh, you know, some athletes will be quarterbacks in college and very good at being a quarterback. But, you know, when it comes to the NFL, they'll trans transition into, you know, like a, a wide receiver role or something like that. Sure. Or, yeah. you know, or even like certain plays, you know, like, uh, 
is it the flea flicker? Is that the one where like you pass out to some, you hand off somebody, then they pass it back to you or they like will pass the ball. I can't remember. I'm not exactly a sports person. Like I, I am like from a video game perspective, but not a real life perspective, <laughs> but like, you know, it may come to the point of like, it's, it's a fake. And now the, the, you know, field goal kicker has to throw a touchdown pass and these right. things like that. And so like knowing not necessarily like the limits of your role or what is expected of like certain aspects of it can allow for, um, you know, dev team members to very much act like a PO mm-hmm. when trying to organize a project or if the scrum master's out, someone can run a stand up and not be totally clueless as to what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it's beyond the what it's really like, why, and what are you trying to achieve at that role? And that's what I think is really interesting to me is you start thinking about like other ways that folks work together and what that could really mean in the real world. Yeah. And I, so coming back to, to scrum, I think Scrum is set up to do that, right? You know, we we all go to trading. We we understand what is the role of a of a product owner, and if need be, I could sit in on on that role uh, if there was an emergency and the product owner had to be out. Or can, is it okay for a developer to to run a stand up? Well, sure, why not? Um, you know, and I think Scrum is set up to do that. I, in the past, I, I've done uh, you know I've done several different models, uh, extreme programming, safe, uh, you know, the scaled agile framework I've done, um, everything down to just, you know, cork board and pieces of paper, uh, you know, just <laughs> trying to manage projects that way. Uh, and in my experience, I think scrum has had the most success across all the organizations that I've worked with and here at alley. Um, just cause like you're saying, everybody is versatile in that model. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, um, a client stakeholder, uh, during a kickoff asked for a RACI document, R-A-C-I, uh, responsible, accountable con- consulting, I think, and then informed or if that's not correct, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I do have my PMB certification, but like clearly like racy is not something that I've internalized too much, but it was important to them, you know, and rather than mm-hmm. kind of like railing against it being like, Oh, that's such a old school P- project management tool that folks want. And, and what does that even mean? I just mapped scrums roles to a racy document. And what that was helpful on is that when you talk about it being accountable, it wasn't like, you know, Ken or like Liz or Betty or whatever. It was like the team, the team, the team. And so like you see kind of like where, where folks are at, it like removes that sort of like, not my job mentality, which always concerns me when that's the fact, like there are things that I cannot do on the team and I'm, and I'm perfectly comfortable not knowing how to do certain things. Uh, but I should be able to understand what people are doing and help them or facilitate a fix if they're out or, or whatever it comes down to. Um, so kind of getting over that idea of like the SM does that. I don't. So we can't possibly do these things or like whatever. It's really like <laughs> right. it's it's identifying like a point person for these things, but not the only person that can do this. But like if you don't know, you know what I mean? Like if, if folks hadn't gone through the, the scrum team member training, they may not know that like they're like, oh, the per- scrum master's out. I guess we won't do stand up today. You know, like, no, because that's not the point is not for the scrum. The point of a stand up is not for the scrum master to facilitate a meeting in which they take notes, then email everyone notes at the end of it or whatever. Right. It's to like be like, OK, who has issues that they think they cannot overcome and how can the team help them? And that does not right. require any one person to be there. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Exactly. Are we on track to hit our sprint goals? Is there anything, you know, any impediments that we need to remove? That doesn't have to be the scrum master's job. Um, you know, much like too, uh, someone on our team recently went through their, uh, 
scrum team member training and came back with this, you know, aha moment. They said, yeah, man, did you know that I could spend up to, you know, maybe 10% of my time if I wanted or more on backlog refinement. And I'm not even the product owner. I was like, well, yeah, like get out there, look at, (laughs) look at what work is coming up. You know, like you you get a say in that. And they're like, man, this is great. Um, Obviously, you know, there's still work they need to do in the sprint, you know, because they're a developer and that kind of thing. But they just were pumped to know that like, man, I'm not just stuck to just writing lines of code all day. I get a say in the product and I can, I can think about, you know, what's coming up and what, what order might we want to tackle these in. So it's really cool to see how a framework provides clarity and empowers people. Yeah. Yeah. Empowerment was where I was going to go next, you know, because it's true, you know, um, you know, so often there's a little bit of tension, I think, uh, when creating, uh, just tickets or, or bodies of work, however you're framing it, uh, stories or what have you, um, that, you know, well, the PO is responsible for the product vision. So they have to like, write really like detailed spec based tickets that are going to explain like what we're doing and why and like how and all this stuff. And, and going through scrum training can help a scrum team member realize that, you know, while the PO is supposed to identify the business value or the, the client value in our case, like gained, it's really up to the entire team to figure out like, how does that translate into something that's working? And it's not like someone, some grand vision architecting like a solution. It's really like, they want to be able to do this. Like, how do we accomplish this? And there's tension there, you know, there's ambiguity there because mm-hmm. it takes, it does take a lot of time to like approach something that way rather than just sort of her like being a, uh, I don't know, support desk uh, ticket taker or whatever. But <laughs> when, when it, when it works well, it's just really uplifting for the entire team. Yeah. One of the things too, that, that I really about enjoy about the scrum at scale model, um, is this idea of an executive action team. Um, which is, you know, for, for those aren't, aren't familiar with the, uh, scrum at scale model, uh, quick Google search, you'll find it. Um, and, and I think it's really awesome because, you know, obviously we want to raise impediments up. Like if, if there's a blocker, Hey, I'm stuck, I need help. Those kind of things. Those aren't, uh, failures necessary on an individual. It's just, you know, Hey, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm I have a dependency here. You want to raise those things up. And usually I'd say about, you know, 90% of the time, the product owner and the scrum master or someone else on the team can help, right? Um, Get them unstuck. But what I really appreciate about the scrum at scale model is you have an executive action team. So if there is something above the team, Hey, this, this thing is, is not working or, Hey, this, there's a client dependency here or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that needs to be raised up. There's a team sort of on standby, just, Hey, I'm ready to solve the big problems that you can't and raising them doesn't mean the team is failing. You know, that is a huge, you know, psychological safety net for teams instead of, I can't believe I have to raise this up and am I going to lose my job? And and I'm nervous. I, now I got to go talk to one of the, you know, one of the big wigs here. Right. It's like, no, no, that's the whole purpose is to help get you unstuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's passing on that clarity that you were talking about, you know, it's making clear what's going on at the team level at a, at a more like organizationally wide you know, level because uh, e, the executive action t- action team eat uh, it's made up of all the partners at Alley, um, and mm-hmm. they have complete you know information from a thirty thousand foot view of like what's going on with the company and what's going on with financials and what's going on with business deals and and things like that and so um, 
they don't have the day-to-day, you know, minutia of things, which is fine, but Scrum at scale, you know, we have we have a Scrum of Scrum of Scrum, which is the meeting of the Scrum masters and a representative of EAT uh, twice a week. And we can mm-hmm. escalate things whenever, but we escalate things through there. It's a quick, usually like 10-minute call that we'll have, and we're able to kind of get the entire company on the same page twice weekly, which has been super valuable. And without that shared foundation of what it's for, and what we're trying to achieve and what a blocker really is, um, you know, people would not feel comfortable raising stuff because you're right. There's a fear, right? If something's not going perfectly smoothly, whose fault is it? Like, who do we have to change right. to make this work? Not what do we have to change? Right. Yeah. Very rarely I found, is it the who, mm-hmm. you know, very rarely, you know, if we, if we think about that, it's, it's often easy to blame a who, Versus address a what, because a what identifies there's a problem with our with our process or there's a problem somewhere, you know, and that takes a little bit more time to to uncover. But once you do, you know, you've you've kind of freed up everybody on the team and and we've all learned something and we can share that with one another so that other teams are you know don't have that problem in the future. So, yeah, having an executive action team uh, just folks there who at the executive level are ready to have your back and kind of jump in and help remove roadblocks that you can't is super empowering. Uh, and again, just provides clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only way we're able to kind of get that really, you know, agency wide, cause we're, I think somewhere around 75 or, or 80 people work at alley now. Um, the only way that we're able to do that is because all those members of eat also went to scrum training, um, the same scrum training that I went through and that Ken went through and that, you know, right. everyone who works here from like, cause the first week basically that someone's here, we have them go through, uh, at least a scrum team member training, if not something more intense and in person. Um, so, you know, from everyone from the newest person at alley to, you know, one of the founders of which are on eat, uh, everyone's gone through the same, uh, experience and has the same, you know, vocabulary of language, the same like ideas and visuals and things about what scrum is supposed to achieve. Um, and it doesn't always work like a, a, you know, flawless machine or anything, but we always have stuff to reset with and come back to. And I feel like we, uh, yeah, agency wide, we have a lot of clarity over like what is needs to be worried about and what's going well and how do we make things better? the twice weekly meeting that we have with eat, uh, the solutions are not like, okay, I'll go see what I can do. It's like, all right, I understand that. Maybe this would just help. And usually like sort of like a, a, a possible solution or next step divines itself. Um, and so I, I see like outcomes pretty speedily happen as a result of that, rather than like, you know, like, oh, I reported it. Now they're going to have to wait for their like, you know, monthly board meeting and then come back and then say like, this person's fired, no problem, like or whatever it is, because that's right. That's really the problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times there's when you have an impediment to raise, you know, you don't well, we don't have to wait. You know, this this model that we're using here uh at Alley allows us to address problems immediately and remove roadblocks. And I don't have to wait for, like you said, a board meeting or well, let's get the stakeholders together and we'll talk about that. Like, no, like we're just gonna solve a problem right now. Um, so again, it provides us clarity. It gives us the ability to, to be agile, right? We can make decisions quickly. We can pivot when we need to. And it's also a lot of fun too, to, to 
to help our clients understand the value of being agile, specifically in the model with Scrum. Uh, so many times I've, I've seen clients come in and they're like, wow, this is great. Like this is happening way faster than we thought it would, or this is way smoother than, you know. So I got all the information out of this meeting and it's only been a 10 minute stand up. Like how did, wow, this is great. You know, it's cool to see the light bulb go off sometimes. Yeah. So thinking, thinking back to the orchestra thing, right. You know, everybody's on has sheet music and everybody's watching a conductor and, you know, sometimes an orchestra, you know, there's lots of people there, right. There's, you know, tons of people, but the thing about agile too, is th think about like a, a three or five piece jazz band, right. You know, everybody knows the chord progression. Everybody knows, you know, how many beats per minute we're, we're playing. Um, and as long as we know that, now we have the ability to be agile. You know, hey, I see folks in the crowd are kind of nodding their head and, you know, kind of getting up and dancing around. Like, okay, hey, let's freestyle a little bit. People are enjoying this. So it gives them the opportunity, that flexibility, right, to to go and, and kind of go off the cuff a little bit um, and then bring it back down. You know, maybe the folks are like, yeah, people are yawning. Uh, they're, you know, not engaged. <laughs> like, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, you know, it's not as... Uh, prescriptive as maybe an orchestra is right but um but they have the ability to be agile they can they can ad lib a little bit and scrum is the same way you know yes we have some guardrails that we use yes we're going to have a stand-up yes we're going to have sprint planning yes we're going to have a retrospective yes we're going to do a demo um but for the most part we can be agile we can we can bounce around you know yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as long as you're remembering like kind of like the foundation and that you're going to improv, you know, one in, uh, musician at a time in the mm -hmm. jazz example, it's sort of like, all right, you're going to go, go. And then like it's the beat gets held and folks can do whatever. And folks that are that are exceptionally good at improvisational music, it's just incredible to me um, that you can keep the count in your head and still do all this amazing stuff. Like I, I could never do it. Um, you know, the counterpoint to that, not the counterpoint, but like a, a side note to that is uh you know, way back when, when I was doing a lot of like live theater, mm -hmm. um, I come from a mindset of, you know, kind of improvisation and unscripted work. And I would sometimes make other actors really mad because I would change, you know, slight wordings, uh, in, in lines that were written by someone else. And, and, and I, it, I wasn't trying to do anything. I just felt like this felt more natural. This felt better, but like, I was probably being a bad cast member because mm -hmm. ideally like I should be adhering to like what we all agreed upon, which is like, these are the lines and this is like, like, Oh, I know when you say that I'm going to do this or whatever it is. And like, I was totally messing people up, but you know, the counterpoint to that is, uh, in scrum, we're kind of supposed to react and engage in a way that feels like right. most beneficial, you know, like most true or whatever. And like having that flexibility is just, once you know what the flexibility is contained within, it's not like, Hey, we're doing all this work. No, we're not. We're gonna do all this other work instead. It's like, oh, this has to change a little bit. Let's have the communication, which we have like often to make it clear to everybody what's going on and why. And we'll pick it up next sprint. With uh, the pandemic that's been going on uh, that we know about, um, it has definitely affected the working priorities of a lot of the clients that I work with. Right. Um, you know, some of the folks are in uh, healthcare, the healthcare news space or in a scholarly space. And all of a sudden it's like, 
Those things that we thought were really important last week are not important anymore. And this is what we need to do. And we need to do it quickly and timely. And it can be a, a real challenge and a real like kind of head spin for the team. But we had processes in place. Everyone knew what the deal was. Everyone knew like the rules of things. So again, it's not like right. throwing the entire sprint out the door. It's like, okay, let's make some swaps and clients like the better that I can have my clients understand why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can't just keep like shoving tickets into the sprint and expect them to be done. Uh, there's this work that we already know that we're, we're, we're doing. So like, can we reprioritize things? Can we swap things around? Um, what's the timeline on these things? So like giving everybody sort of like a shared idea about like the rules of stuff. It's not a hard wall. Once the, scr- the sprint starts, you can't do anything. It's more like we know what we have to do, but let's approach it from a, a place of shared understanding. And a shared- you know, the time of this recording, you know, we're we're experiencing this pandemic, right? And like you said, a couple of weeks ago, no one thought like, oh man, you know, the world's going to change, you know, and we're going to have to you know shift priorities. If you were using a waterfall method, um, you're like, yep, that's on the books, and maybe we'll get to that feature in a year and a half. Well, a year and a half, you know, may not be relevant anymore, right? But we're able to be agile and say, okay, hey, let's reprioritize a backlog based off the needs of the world today. And, uh, you know, as long as everybody has a shared framework, a shared understanding and clarity around what we're supposed to do and what needs to happen, um, you know, it gives us the ability to just move forward, be flexible. Yeah, nothing in a vacuum, you know, nothing in a right. black hole. It's just bringing this stuff out out in the open for everybody. Yeah. It provide I like to say too, it yes, it brings clarity, but it provides value faster, you know, which is really what we're after, right? And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh Ken, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners. If you want to learn more about Allie and the cool stuff that we do here, head over to Allie.co. We'd love to hear from you. What's today's Fibonacci number of the day? I'll spin the big wheel. Today's Fibonacci number of the day is... Zero. so much for listening take a moment to head over to alley.co to learn about the work that we do and the people we work with we have a blog we have other things that are going on a newsletter so we would love for you to sign up and say hello
great. We're on the internets. Go on the web. Check us out on the web. Check out my web page. 